0: chapter 30 of the giant's robe this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the giant's robe by f anstey chapter 30 the way of transgressors dolly's mere appearance in the room would lead vincent to suspect that he had been deceived her first words would almost inevitably expose the fraud. She was coming up, nevertheless, and Mark felt powerless to prevent her. He could only indulge himself in inwardly cursing Caffyn's ingenuity, and his own weakness, for having brought him to such a pass as this. Caffyn was shaken for the moment, but he soon recovered himself. "'Keep cool, will you?' he whispered. He might have shouted, for Vincent saw and heard nothing just then. You stay here and keep him amused. Don't let him go near the window. Then he added aloud, I'll go and see if I can find that Bradshaw. Almost certain I didn't bring it with me. But if you saw it there, why? And he was gone. Mark caught up a paper with a rapid, Oh, I say, Vincent, did you see this correspondence about competitive examinations? Of course you haven't, though. Just listen, then. It's rather amusing and he began to read with desperate animation a string of letters on a subject which in the absence of worthier sport was just then being trailed before the public the newspaper hid his face and while he read he could strain his ears for the first sign of dolly's approach she had seen him he was sure and she would insist upon coming up she was so fond of him he wished now he had gone down himself instead of leaving it to caffyn Meanwhile, the latter had rushed down in time to wave back the maid who was coming to the door, and which he opened himself. Dolly was standing there alone on the doorsteps. She had prepared a polite little formula for the servant, and was therefore disappointed to see Caffin. "'Why, it's you,' she said, in rather an injured tone. "'You never expected such luck as that, did you?' said Caffin. "'Is there anything I can do for your ladyship?' mabel asked me to drive round this way and ask if mark has come back there's frulein in the carriage too but i wanted to ask all by myself pray step this way said caffyn leading the way with mock politeness to a little sitting-room on the ground floor i can't stay long said dolly mark isn't here i saw his face at the window upstairs mabel told me to see if he was quite well and i want to ask him how he is and where he's been "'Afraid you can't see him just now,' said Caffyn. "'He's got someone with him he hasn't seen for a long time. "'We mustn't disturb him. "'Tell Mabel he'll come to-morrow, and he's quite well.' "'Dolly was preparing to go when she discovered some portmanteaus and boxes in a corner. "'What a funny box with all those red tickets on it,' she said. "'Oh, and a big white helmet. "'It's green inside. "'Is Mark going to be married in that thing, Harold?' all at once she stopped short in her examination why why they've got poor vincent's name on them they have look and Caffyn realized that he had been too ingenious he had forgotten all about this luggage in showing dolly to that room in his fear lest her voice should be too audible in the passage there there you're keeping frulein waiting all this time never mind about the luggage he said hurriedly "'Good-bye, Dolly. Sorry you can't stop.' "'But I can stop,' objected Dolly, who was not easily got rid of at the best of times. "'Harold, I'm sure that dear Vincent has come alive again. "'He's the somebody Mark hasn't seen for a long time. "'Oh, if it really is, I must go and see.' Caffin saw his best course now was the hazardous one of telling the truth. "'Well,' he said, "'as it happens, you're right. "'Vincent was not drowned, and he is here, "'but I don't advise you to go to see him for all that.' "'Why?' said Dolly, with her joy suddenly checked. "'She scarcely knew why. "'He's in a fearful rage with you just now,' said Caffin. "'He's found out about that letter—that letter you burnt.' "'Mabel said I was never to worry about that horrid letter any more.' "'And I'm not going to. So it's no use your trying to make me,' said Dolly defiantly. And then, as her fears grew, she added, "'What about that letter?' "'Well,' said Caffyn. "'it appears that the letter you tore the stamp off was from Vincent. It had a foreign stamp, I remember. And it was very important. He never got an answer, and he found out somehow that it was because you burnt it. "'And then, my goodness, Dolly, what a rage he was in!' "'I don't care,' said Dolly. "'Mabel will tell Vincent how it was. She knows.' "'Ah, but, you see, she don't know,' said Caffyn. "'Do you suppose if she had known who the letter was from and what it was about, she would have taken it so quietly? "'Why, she thinks it was only an old envelope you burnt. "'I heard her say so. "'You know she still believes Vincent is dead.' "'She doesn't know the truth yet, but Vincent will tell her. "'Are you coming up to see him?' "'No,' said Dolly, trembling. "'Ah, uh, I think I won't. Not to-day.' "'Wise child,' said Caffin, approvingly. "'Between ourselves, Dolly, poor Vincent has come back in such a queer state "'that he's not fit to see anyone just yet, "'and we're dreadfully afraid of his meeting Mabel and frightening her.' Oh, don't let him come. Don't, cried terrified Dolly. Well, I'll tell you what we've done. I got Mark to agree to it. We haven't told him that you're any of you at home at all. He thinks you're all away, and he's coming with me into the country tomorrow. So unless you tell Mabel you've seen him-oh, but I won't. I don't want her to know. Not now, said Dolly. Oh, and I was so glad when I first heard of this. Is he is he very angry harold i don't advise you to come near him just yet he said you won't tell frulein of course i'll see you to the carriage how do frulein home i suppose and the last thing he saw was dolly's frightened glance up at the window as the carriage drove off she won't tell this time he said to himself and indeed poor dolly was silent enough all the way home and met frulein mose's placid stream of talk with short and absent answers that evening however in the schoolroom she roused herself to express a sudden interest in colin's stamp-album which she coaxed him to show her as he was turning over the pages one by one she stopped him suddenly what is that one she said pointing out a green-coloured stamp amongst the colonial varieties can't you read said colin a little contemptuously even while regarding this healthy interest as a decided sign of grace in a girl. There's Ceylon postage on the top, isn't there? It isn't rare, though. Twenty-four cents. I gave two pence for it. But I've had much more expensive ones, only I swapped them. If you want to see a rare one, here's a Virgin Islands down here. I think I'll see the rest another time, Colin. Thanks, said Dolly. I'm tired now i mayn't have time to show you another day said colin so you'd better but dolly was gone her passion for information having flickered out as suddenly as it rose she knew that english-looking green stamp well enough there had been dreadful days once when it had seemed always floating before her eyes-the thing which might send her to prison she was much older now of course and knew better but, for all that, it had not quite lost its power to plague her yet. For, this time at least, she was sure that Harold had not been teasing. She had burnt the letter, and it came from Ceylon. Vincent must have written it, and he had come back and meant to scold her. She had cried so when she heard he was drowned, and now she was afraid to see him. A shadow she dared not speak of had once more fallen across her life caffeine came up with a bradshaw in his hand had a hunt after it i can tell you he said and then your old landlady and i had a little chat i couldn't get away from her aren't you fellows ready for some dinner and the relief with which mark had seen the carriage roll away below had really given him something of an appetite before dinner however mark took caffeine up into his bedroom under the pretence of washing his hands but with the real object of preventing a hideous possibility which, for his fears quickened his foresight, had just occurred to him. "'If you don't mind,' he began awkwardly, "'I'd rather you didn't mention that I had written—I mean, that you didn't say anything about illusion, you know.' Caffyn's face remained unchanged. "'Certainly, if you wish it,' he said. "'But why? Is this more of your modesty?' No said mark weakly no not exactly modesty but the fact is I find that Holroyd has been going in for the same sort of thing himself and And not successfully and so I shouldn't like to quite so Agreed Caffyn. now really that's very nice and considerate of you to think of that Ashburn. I like to see that sort of thing in a fellow You know shows he isn't spoilt by success Well, you can rely on me i won't breathe a word to suggest your being in any way connected with pen and ink thanks said mark gratefully i know you won't and they went down mark could not but feel degraded in his own eyes by all this hypocrisy but it was so necessary and was answering its purpose so well that his mental suffering was less than might have been expected at dinner he felt himself able now that his fears were removed to encourage conversation and drew from holroyd particulars of his ceylon life which supplied them with topics for that evening and prevented the meal from becoming absolutely dull even though it was at no time remarkable for festivity i tell you what i can't quite understand said caffyn on one occasion Why did you let us all go on believing that you were drowned on the Mangalore, when a letter or two would have put it all right? "'I did write one letter home,' said Holroyd, with a faint red tinging, his brown cheeks. I might have written to Mark, I know, but I waited to hear from him first, and then one thing after another prevented me. It was only when I sent down to Colombo, months afterwards, for my heavy baggage, that I heard what had happened to the ship well observed caffyn you might have written then i know that said holroyd the fact is though that i never thought it possible after going off the ship as i did at bombay that i could be reported amongst the missing as soon as i discovered that that was so i wrote no doubt i ought to have written before still when you have a large estate on your hands and you feel your health gradually going and failure coming closer and closer You don't feel a strong inclination for correspondence. He fell back into a moody silence again. Perhaps, after all, his silence had arisen from other causes still. Perhaps, as his health declined, he had come to find a morbid satisfaction in the idea that he was alone, forgotten by those he cared for, until his very isolation had become dear to him. He had been a fool, he knew that now. His two friends had mourned him sincerely— and would have been overjoyed to hear that he was alive. He had wronged them. What if he had wronged Mabel, too? Another had won her. But had not his own false delicacy and perverted pride caused him to miss the happiness he hungered for? At all events, he thought, I won't whine about it. Before I go out again, I will know the worst. If the other man is a good fellow and will make her happy, I can bear it but deep down in his heart a spark of hope glimmered still. "'Well, I must be going,' said Caffyn, breaking in on his reverie. "'I've got to pack before I go to bed. Look here, Vincent.' And he consulted the Bradshaw as he spoke. "'There's a train at ten in the morning from Euston. Gets into Drigg late at night. We can sleep there and drive over to Waswater next day. Will that do for you?' "'It's rather sudden,' said Holroyd, hesitating oh come old fellow you're not going to back out of it now i've stayed over a day on the chance of bringing you you promised to come just now there's nothing to keep you and i've set my heart on having you then i'll come said holroyd we'll meet on the platform tomorrow." mark breathed more freely again he accompanied caffyn down to the front door and then as they stood for a moment in the little passage dimly lighted by a feeble kerosene lamp on a bracket each looked at the other strangely well said caffin with a light laugh i hope you are satisfied he'll be well out of the way for at least a fortnight and if this gilroy business comes off he may be taken off your hands altogether before you come back i know said mark you've been awfully kind about it the the only thing i can't understand is why you're taking all this trouble for this was beginning to exercise his mind at last oh said caffyn is that it well i don't mind telling you i like you my boy and if anything i can do will save you a little worry and give me a companion in my loneliness into the bargain mind i don't say that hasn't something to do with it why i'm delighted to do it but if you'd rather see some more of him before he goes out again there's no hurry gilroy will wait and i won't say any more about it 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 seems a good opening said mark hastily "'Not without shame at himself. "'Perhaps the sooner it is arranged, the better, don't you think?' Caffyn laughed again. "'You old humbug,' he said. "'Why don't you tell the truth? "'You've found out he's a defeated rival, "'and you don't care about having him sitting sighing on the doorstep of that little house in—' "'Where is it? "'On Camden Hill. "'Well, don't be alarmed. "'I think he'll go, and I promise you I won't try to prevent him if he's keen on it.' He laughed aloud once or twice as he walked home. Mark's tender solicitude for his friend's future tickled his sense of humour. And the funniest thing about it is, he thought, that I'm going to help the humbug. Mark was up early the next morning, and hurried Holroyd over his breakfast as much as he dared. He had a ghastly fear of missing the train, in consequence of which they arrived at Euston at least half an hour before the time of starting. Caffyn was not on the platform, and Mark began to dread his being too late. And then, he thought with a shudder, I shall have him on my hands for another whole day. Another day of this would drive me mad, and I must see Mabel this morning. The luggage had been duly labelled, and there was nothing to do but to wander up and down the platform. Mark, feeling oppressed by a sinking premonition of disaster, whenever he loosed his hold of holroyd's arm for a moment he was waiting while the latter bought a paper at the bookstall when suddenly he felt himself slapped heavily on the back by someone behind him and heard a voice at whose well-known accent he very nearly fell down with horror it was his terrible uncle "Hello, you know this won't do young fellow what's all this he began too evidently bursting with the badinage which every benedict must endure why you ain't going for your honeymoon before the wedding that's suspicious looking that is no no it's all right said mark trembling how do you do uncle i-i'd I'd rather you didn't talk about it about that here not quite so loud well i don't know what there is in that to be ashamed of said his uncle and if i mayn't be allowed to talk about a wedding which but for me mind you would a been long enough in coming about perhaps you'll tell me who is and as to talking loud i'm not aware that i'm any louder than usual why are you looking like that for hang me if i don't think there's something in this i ought to see to he broke out with a sudden change of face as his shrewd little eyes fell on holroyd's rug which mark was carrying for the moment "'Mark, for all your cleverness, you're a slippery feller. I always felt that about you. You're up to something now. You're meaning to play a trick on one that trusts you. And I won't have it, do you hear me? I tell you, I won't have it.' "'What do you mean?' faltered Mark. For an instant, he thought himself detected. He did not pause to think how improbable this was. "'You know what I mean. I'm not going to stand by and see you ruin yourself.' "'You shan't set a foot in the train "'if I have to knock you down and set on you myself. "'If,' and his voice shook here, "'if you've got into any mess, and it's money, "'I'll clear you this time, whatever it costs me, "'but you shan't run away from that dear girl "'that you're promised to. "'I'm deed if you do.' "'Mark laughed, naturally and easily enough. "'Did you think I was going to run away, then? "'From Mabel?' you tell me what you're doing here at this time of day then said his uncle only partially reassured what's that you're carrying this my friend's rug i'm seeing a friend off that's all if you do not believe me i'll show you the friend as he looked back at the bookstall he saw something which stiffened him once more with helpless horror the man at the stall was trying to persuade holroyd to buy a book for the journey he was just dusting one now a volume in a greenish cover with bold crimson lettering before recommending it and the book was a copy of the latest edition of illusion the edition which bore mark's name on the title-page in his despair mark did the very last thing he would otherwise have done he rushed up to holroyd and caught his arm i say old fellow don't let them talk you into buying any of that rubbish look here i-i want to introduce you to my uncle i wasn't asking the gentleman to buy no rubbish said the man at the bookstall resenting the imputation this is a book which is having a large sale just now we've sold as many as but here mark succeeded in getting vincent away and bringing him up to mr lightowler how are you sir began that gentleman with a touch of condescension in his manner so it's only you that's going off well that's a relief to my mind i can tell you "'for when I saw Mark here with that rug, I somehow got it into my mind that he was going to make a run for it. "'And there'd be a pretty thing for all parties, eh?' "'Your nephew very kindly came to see me off, that's all,' said Holroyd. "'Oh,' said Uncle Solomon, with a tolerant wave of his hand, "'I don't object to that, you know. I've no objection to that.' not that i don't think between ourselves mind you that he mightn't perhaps be better employed just now and here to mark's horror he winked with much humorous suggestiveness at both of them that is very likely said holroyd what i mean by saying he might be better employed continued uncle solomon is that when yes yes uncle "'Mark hastened to interpose. "'But on special occasions like these "'one can leave one's duties for a while.' "'Now there, I think you make a mistake. "'You make too sure, Mark. "'I tell you, and I think your friend here "'will bear me out in this, "'that in your situation it don't do "'to go leaving him in the lurch too often. "'It don't do.' "'Mark could stand no more of this. "'A lurch, now?' he said what an odd expression that is do you know i've often tried to picture to myself what kind of a thing a lurch may be i always fancy it must be a sort of deep hole have you any idea vincent mark would have been too thankful to have been able to drop his uncle down a lurch of that description occasionally particularly when he chose as he did on this occasion to take offence at his nephew's levity "'Lurch is a good old English word, let me tell you, Mr. Schoolmaster, that was,' he broke in. "'And if I'd done as many a man in my position would, and left you in the lurch a few months ago, where would you have been? That's what I'd like to know. For I must tell you, Mr. Holroyd, that that feller came to me with a precious long face, and says he—'Uncle,' he says, "'I want you to—' mark felt that in another moment the whole story of his uncle's intervention at kensington park gardens would burst upon holroyd with the force of a revelation and he was at the end of his resources where was caffyn all this time how could he be so careless as to be late "Uh, i-i don't think it's quite fair to tell all that he expostulated weakly fair said uncle solomon i made no secrecy over it i did nothing to be ashamed of and hush up and it's no disgrace to you that i can see to be helped by an uncle that can afford it well as i was saying mark came to see me here a small juggernaut car in the shape of a high piled truck came rolling down on them with a shout of by your leave there by your leave from the unseen porter behind mark drew vincent sharply aside and then saw caffyn coming quickly towards them through the crowd "'and forgot the torpedo his uncle was doing his best to launch. "'He felt that with Caffyn came safety. "'Caffin, who had evidently been hurrying, gave a sharp glance at the clock. "'Sorry to be late,' he said, as he shook hands. "'Binny fetched me a hansom with a wobbling old animal in it "'that ran down like a top when we got half-way, "'and, of course, the main road was up for the last mile. "'However, I've just done it. Come along, Holroyd, I've got a carriage.' and the three men went off together leaving mr lightowler behind in a decidedly huffy frame of mind good-bye mark said vincent affectionately before he got in we've not had time to see much of one another have we i can't say how glad i am though even to have had that i shall try not to leave england without seeing you once more but if we don't meet again then good-bye and god bless you old boy write to me from abroad and tell me where you are we mustn't lose touch of one another again eh good-bye said Caffyn in a hurried voice before he followed i've got your swiss address haven't i and if if anything happens you shall hear from me the next minute mark stood back and as the long line of chocolate and white carriages rolled gently past he caught his last sight of vincent's face with the look on it that he could not hope to see again he saw Caffin, too, who gave him a cool side-jerk of the head at parting, with a smile which, when Mark recollected it later, seemed to account for some of the uneasiness he felt. But, after all, this desperate plan had prospered, thanks to Caffin's unconscious assistance. If Vincent had been gagged and bound and kept in a dungeon cell till the wedding was over, he could hardly be more harmless than he would be at Wastwater. Two more days— only two more and the calamity he dreaded even more than exposure would be averted for ever none but he would call mabel langton his wife thinking this as he left the platform he ran up against his uncle whom he had completely forgotten he was harmless now as a safety match bereft of its box and mark need fear him no longer why there you are uncle eh he said with much innocent satisfaction I couldn't think where you'd got to. No, oh, I dare say," growled Mr. Lightowler. "And your friend nearly lost the train looking for me, didn't he? I'm not to be got over by soft speaking, Mark, and I'm sharp enough to see where I'm not wanted. I must say, though, that that feller, if he's one of your friends, might have shown me a little more common respect, knowing who I was, instead of bolting away while I was talking to him, for all the world as if he wanted to get rid of me. Mark saw that his uncle was seriously annoyed, and hastened to soothe his ruffled dignity—a task which was by no means easy. "'It isn't as if I needed to talk to him, either,' he persisted. "'I've a friend of my own sort to see off. That's why I'm here at this time.' "'Liverpool, he's going to,' he added, with some obscure sense of superiority implied in this fact. "'And let me tell you, he's a man that's looked up to by everyone here. Is He's budkin.' "'And'll be mayor before he dies. "'And another thing, let me say to you, Mark. "'In the course of my life I've picked up here and there "'some slight knowledge of human character, "'and I read faces as easy as print. "'No, I don't like the look of that friend of yours.' "'Do you mean Caffin?' asked Mark. "'I don't know him. "'No, I mean that down-looking chap you introduced me to. "'All right, isn't it? "'Well, don't you have too much to do with him?' there's something in his eye i don't fancy he ain't to be trusted and you mind what i say well said mark i can promise you that i shall see no more of him than i can help in future if that's any relief to your mind you stick to that then and hello there is budkin come at last you come along with me and i'll introduce you he's not what you call a refined sort of fellow you know he explained forbearingly but still we've always been friends in a way you can't stop must go back to miss mabel eh well well i won't keep you good-bye till the day after to-morrow then and don't you forget what you'd a been if you'd been thrown on the world without an uncle there'd be no pretty miss mabel for you then whatever you may think about it young chap when mark made his appearance at kensington park gardens again dolly watched his face anxiously longing to ask if vincent had really gone at last but somehow she was afraid and so as the time went by and no vincent holroyd came to the door to denounce her she took comfort and never knew how her fears were shared by her new brother-in-law end of chapter thirty